0: I feel like I need a klaxon to do, woo, woo, we have an announcement in this week's podcast, woo, woo. So that was my version of a klaxon. Emma Graney here, host of the Press Gallery podcast with a quick reminder to subscribe and keep on listening. Um, We do have some changes coming, so that is why you need to make sure that you have the latest episode always going straight to your device wherever you listen. If you enjoy this podcast, do tell your Alberta politics nerdy friends about us or anyone else who might be vaguely interested in uh, hearing us talk about politics and policy and, I don't know, the general rubbish that we go on with sometimes. As always, if you have any questions, comments or concerns, shoot me an email, egraney at postmedia.com or find me on Twitter at emma lgraney. We have had some really lovely notes lately, so please keep them coming because they make us feel happy and warm in our hearts. Enjoyed this week's episode. It is a slightly longer one than usual, but I'm sure you'll figure out why very, very soon. Hello and welcome to the Press Gallery, the Edmonton Journal's politics podcast. I am your host, provincial affairs reporter Emma Graney. It's Friday, October 5, 2018. It is October. That is freaky. I don't like it. And this is the Paula Simon Says See Ya edition and an announcement featuring TMX and health. It's a very long <laughs> title. I like it. That, that I'm thinking sense. of it like a rap song, in the remix is by TMX.
1: And Can you Health?
2: abbreviate that or something?
1: See, TMX does sound like the name of a rap group, doesn't it? It does. Probably like, like a 90s
0: rap if group. If you
3: rap about TMX, I will buy you lots of beer after. Really? Yeah, do it one time on the podcast. I'm
0: totally going to do that. I'm going to build it. the pipeline too.
3: No, 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 no,
1: no, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> My, my, my daughter, my daughter, the theater director, has very strong opinions about middle-aged white women who, who, rap, who rap
0: badly about
1: pipelines. Yes, specific well, not, concerns. Not, 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 even, <laughs> not even badly about pipelines. Just she has <laughs> issues with white people trying to rap. So I'm just not going to do that. Thanks, kid. With
0: us today, Paula Simons, who will not rap. <laughs> I will
1: not wrap, and yeah, and this is my my last time on the podcast, at least as a columnist. I mean, mm-hmm. Maybe maybe you'll have me back as a special guest in the future, but
0: maybe Paul of it. I don't know. I'm harboring some pretty uh, deep and abandonment issues right now. So <sighs> Claire Glancy, my uh, fellow legislative reporter, how are you doing, bud? I'm good, excellent. And Keith Duran, our health reporter. I am here. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm
2: doing lovely.
0: Are you are you in, are you in good health? This is I, good-
2: I'm in pretty good health. Yes thank you
0: <laughs> so what we're going to do today we are briefly going to talk developments on the tmx file because it just never ever ends um we're also going to talk about some digging by our very own keith durine who's sitting right there
2: i'm right here Hi, keith. i did some digging
0: you did so proud but of you man. not not to lay pipeline No. <laughs> and finally we will say goodbye to paul simons who's leaving us Whatever, Paula doesn't even matter. Also, we have a big announcement coming at the end, so you have to listen like real big. Like this is this big. is m- even more exciting than when we sang Happy Birthday to Sarah O'Donnell last week. It's close, it, but yeah, yeah. I'd say it might be bigger. I don't know; hard to say for sure. Let's start off with pipelines. Get that out the way, Clancy.
3: <laughs> pipelines again. Yay. Yay. Um, Yay! So this week, what's happened on pipelines? So. Um, Premier Rachel Notley held an availability after the opening of the Royal Alberta Museum. It's finally
0: open after billion Yay. And Yay. you can
3: read lots about that all over the website. Um, it's the Edmonton
0: Journal website. Yes. Nowhere Bro- else. Nowhere else. No,
3: no one else covered it. <laughs> Just us. Um, that was a joke. <laughs> yeah, definitely a joke. Um, very busy media event. But afterwards, Premier Rachel Notley um, scrummed about TMX because earlier that morning, Natural Resources Minister Amarjeet so he um, talked about what the next steps are. He confirmed that the federal government is not going to be launching an appeal of that court ruling that came down in August, which delayed construction on the Trans Mountain and basically called into question its environmental review process and in, and indigenous consultations that um, were done or you know lacked um, yeah lacked proper consultation with indigenous groups. So um, Amarjit, so he had made that announcement. Premier Rachel Notley was reacting to it, and she said that she does not agree with um, the Ottawa's decision to not appeal the ruling. Uh, she and but you know kind of came and said, "Look, we have to let this process play out." Um, it seems like at this point, Alberta is really playing the waiting game. So yeah. we're gonna just have to see what happens. The Indigenous consultation piece. What's interesting is that Ottawa gave. Um, gave the National Energy Board that 22 week deadline. But for Indigenous consultations, there is no deadline. So we don't know how long that is is really going to take. And Premier Notley also couldn't confirm, um, you know, what the what, you know, when we might actually see pipe in the ground. Mm.
2: Yeah. And it's a waiting game that maybe the NDP can't Actually, wait for. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> we can't actually afford to play. In the way. Yeah, and it's sort of you know, Notley's in a in a tough spot. Obviously, she is a, a big supporter of indigenous rights and proper consultation, and so she definitely has to say and does. I think uh, legitimately support proper consultation with indigenous communities. At the same time, the timeline is not in her favor, and uh, if there isn't something in the ground by you know, say May first, then it is a uh, I think a Um, A real black mark for her in in the election Uh, and almost assures a Jason Kenney victory certainly uh, heightens the the possibility. But, you know, I think she's also looking at this realistically. I know Jason Kenney came out and said, you know, he's disappointed in the premier for not insisting that um, the federal government uh, launch an appeal uh, and to uh, to create some sort of legislation uh, to get this through but realistically, uh, a court appeal would take months, perhaps years, so that's not necessarily a realistic option. And then the legislative option, again, there's a lot of questions with that. What actually would you legislate at this point that's in keeping with, with fairness, uh, that would not violate the charter, uh, that you would actually see some sort of progress on this? I, I haven't heard a, a real clear answer to that. I'm not sure if Jason Kenney himself has, has answered that question. I'm not sure what the federal government could actually do.
3: And I think what's interesting, too, is immediately after that court ruling came down, um, the premier made those three demands, launch an appeal, go back into an emergency session in Ottawa, and then um, also, you know, properly redo Indigenous consultations was something she immediately said we're on board for. But we've seen over the last month her say you know, kind of back down from that same insistent language about an appeal. And I think she has said, we know at this point that it's not necessarily the most effective option and it would be a longer term, um, it would be a longer term option. But I mean, I think Alberta, it looks like, is in a position where now, as she said, options are closed. And so that's problematic for SOHI to say we're not going to launch an appeal.
0: I'm trying to decide if it's appropriate for me to say anything anymore. This is a very awkward... Sure, Paula. Go ahead. What is your heart saying? It's, it's not your mind, it's your heart. You can't... My, my, my... Be true to your heart. <laughs> Keith is correct when he says that launching
1: an appeal, I mean, that sounds like something you want to do. Let's appeal a decision that, you know, that, that frankly, I mean, I, I mm. think there are probably grounds for legal appeal. I'm just not sure that strategically that is the right play. I think it's strategically necessary for both Kenny and Notley to say that they want an appeal. I think that's the language they have to adopt for their various, you know, for their various bases and and positions. But, you know, if you get clogged down in the appeal process, that could actually make it take longer. I mean, maybe what you want to do is instead expedite good faith uh, reconsultation, because how can you do those consultations in good faith if you're simultaneously appealing the need to do them?
0: Oh, that's a curly question.
1: You know, I I understand it would be nice to have legal clarity. The danger is you could go to the Supreme Court and also lose, and then where are you? Um, So, you know, if we are agreed that it is a good and necessary thing to get Canadian uh, hydrocarbons to market, uh, then I think maybe what you want to do is expedite. The you know, the consultation period and make it go as quickly as possible, which maybe you cannot do if you're simultaneously appealing. I could not help but notice with some irony that the BC government was tickety-boo-boo with its LNG. <laughs> Sorry, I guess I'm not supposed to say things like that anymore. I, I could not help but notice that, that the British Columbia government seemed at peace and indeed was delighted to be announcing a giant <laughs> LNG uh, export plan, which would also have pipelines and tankers admittedly full of natural gas, which is not quite the same environmental question mark as as uh, bitumen.
3: And Notley did say in her news conference, she said it's jaw-dropping hypocrisy.
1: Yeah, you know. With um, the processes. <laughs> it, so, I mean, if, if your argument against shipping is that there are ships, then shipping LNG is also shipping things. If your argument against pipelines is that they go through unseated sovereign First Nations territory in British Columbia, which is not covered by treaty, well, then they still do. But I'm not opposed. I mean, I think the LNG project does make sense. And if you can get um, Asian markets off coal faster by using Canadian natural gas, I think that that's good for Confederation. It's good for the whole country. Uh, but I think, you know, geese, ganders,
0: sauce, like that. <laughs> Keith, um, you did some digging. I as did. As alluded to. Yeah. Health, right?
2: Health. Yeah, that's what I do. Yeah. yeah. It's,
0: it's your shtick.
2: It's my thing. Yeah. Um, so a little bit of background. Uh, as the health reporter for the past five or six years, one of the things I've been most interested in is the costs of the healthcare system, because we have one of the most expensive, if not the most expensive health system in, in the country. And one of the reasons for that, probably the main reason, is that we spend a lot on hospitals. And there's a variety of reasons for that. We don't take very good care of people with chronic diseases at the, at the doctor level, which means that they wind up kind of going to the hospital a lot. Uh, we have an, you know, an aging population, a growing population, which puts more pressure on hospitals. We have this culture in the province that says, let's go to the emergency room every time we have something uh, amiss, when maybe that isn't the best place to go. Um, And we have an awful lot of hospitals in Alberta, more than than other provinces tend to have, especially in rural areas. And all over the place. And all over the place. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So uh, those are all reasons that are fairly well understood. I thought that there might be something else going on, though. I thought that there might be an issue with financial management within AHS And so what we did is we, over a number of years, submitted some Freedom of Information requests to get some budget figures and some spending figures for all of the individual hospitals across the province, AHS hospitals. We got eight years of data, plugged it into a database, and crunched the numbers. And when you do that, there's this pattern that emerges very very clearly, which is... That hospitals go over their budgets all the time, regularly. So on an average year, about seventy percent of the HS hospitals exceed their budgets. It's not a lot, it's usually about two to four percent. So it's not a huge amount of money year to year, but when you add it up, it I think we found it, it came to about nine hundred and twenty five million over the eight years. So that that is a significant figure. And to me, that's $925 million that you might have spent on something else, you might have spent on prevention activities or research or upgrading the computers or a number of other things that would actually improve the efficiency of the system. So that that's essentially the project that we did. Sounds fun. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Financial management really gets people riled up.
3: I thought um, reading the investigation, I thought it was really interesting. You also broke down the numbers, like rural versus uh, urban centers, plus Edmonton versus Calgary. Like, can you talk a little bit about that?
2: Too? Yeah. So, I mean, in general, the, the urban hospitals are, are enormous compared to the rural hospitals. Some of the rural hospitals operate on barely over a million dollars a year. Um, so, when they exceed their budget by even ten percent, it's you know, it's not a high figure. It, yeah, so the, but a hospital like the Foothills in Calgary or the University Hospital here in Edmonton, their annual spending is more than all the rural hospitals combined. So, they tend to go over budget a little bit more and a little bit more often than the rural hospitals do. Um and even, you know, a, a 5% uh spending overage or overrun uh in a major urban hospital like that, that adds up to a lot of money. So so that's part of it. The Calgary hospitals are interesting. They tend to go over budget a little more often as well than the Edmonton hospitals. But I also noticed their budget increases are smaller. So they're having to work with less than than the Edmonton hospitals. Why that is, we don't know. Um, just an interesting pattern. though.
1: But it's interesting. I mean, so you, the eight years, and remind us of the, of the window from when to when you... Would... Uh,
2: 2010 to 2018.
1: Wow. So, I mean, this covers... Multiple premiers, multiple governments, multiple administrations, many, many health ministers, and many different kinds of managements. At AHS,
2: that that's correct. So the worst year was 2014-15, which was the last full year of the progressive conservative uh, government. That was the year when, of three premiers, I, I believe. So, <laughs> you know, um, it's um, strange so that
1: would happen in, in Roman yeah. history. They have like the, the, the year of the four emperors. Uh, that's right. Yes, we, yeah. <laughs> the year of the three premiers. premiers here in Alberta. So
2: <laughs> so that was the worst year, but uh, it it has gotten slightly better under the NDP in terms of these uh, overruns. And the NEP will point to the fact that they have overall health costs have actually slowed somewhat in the last few years, which is true.
1: They've bent the curve. They've
2: bent the curve. But a hospital I, I spending that. in particular. I know,
1: because curves yeah. always yeah. bent. Oh, man. I, that really
2: <laughs> it's rarely a straight line, yes. <laughs>
0: oh, that really gets my goat when they say that. But, you
1: know, it's, it's interesting. I was reflecting back to all of the health coverage that we've done over those last eight years and how contentious it was. Uh, under the Tories and under, you know, all of the various remakings of AHS. And I have to say, uh, I don't know that Sarah Hoffman has done a better job of managing the portfolio, but she's done a much better job of managing the messaging. I mean, there there doesn't seem to be a crisis a day story it's coming true. coming out now. And, I, and that's not because you're not a great health reporter either. I mean, that's so, so it's interesting to me, whether that's that AHS is that much better at message discipline, uh, whether it's it's uh, Sarah Hoffman's health department. But, you know, I've had family members in and out of hospital a lot in the last couple of months. And there doesn't seem to be, even like within the hospitals, the same sense of crisis management that there was three and four years ago.
2: Yeah, I, I think that's a uh, an astute observation. Um, very good on your last, uh, last podcast. Way to go, Way, Paula. Yeah, very nice.
1: Um, <laughs>
2: So there's a couple of things. I mean, I, I'm,
1: I'm not I'm not being retired because of early onset dementia. Just, just to be clear,
2: you could have totally checked out the press gallery and just relived things from 2003 or something. But um, um, so, thank you for uh, p- continuing to pay attention.
1: And, and thank you <laughs> Thanks, thank you, Keith, for your astute analysis. Uh, yes, of my astute you know, analysis.
2: I, 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 I am to please. Uh, <laughs> what is happening? I know. <laughs> Anyway, to back back to the topic you <laughs> raised. Uh, yes, there are uh, a couple of things going on. So when HS was created, it was basically created overnight. They threw nine regional health authorities together overnight and just said, hey, work together, even though all of them had different ways of doing things. So I And, I think, lo-
1: and lots of bad blood, blood uh, in and amongst yeah, them. They'd I- been indeed,
2: rivals. Indeed. So I think there was a lot of chaos, and that was just naturally going to happen because of the process. I think what's happened under the NDP, and whether this is their great leadership, or whether it's just a, you know, a circumstance, uh, there has been stability at the top. So most of the same people have been running the health system for the last three or four years. You've had Sarah Hoffman uh, as the only health minister the NDP has ever had. Uh, you've had Vernie Yu in, in charge of AHS for most of that time. Most of her team has been intact there. Uh, We did have one change in deputy health minister, but we've had only one change there uh, in in the last three, four years. So the people at the top, uh, as well as the HS board, let's not forget them. They've all been uh, there for for most of that time. So there just hasn't been a lot of change of leadership. And I think when you have that, it allows you to actually get some things done rather than having to reintroduce new people in and out uh, of the door.
0: Who would have sub- thought stability was a yes. good thing?
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, not us here at the Edmonton <laughs> Journal. We're all in favor of introducing new people in and out the door.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, did you find anything, Keith, just briefly, um, that really surprised you?
2: Uh, I think it was just the scale of of the the overruns, like not not the amount of money, but just how often they happen, and it's just such a uh, a routine thing that seems to be happening with hospitals year after year, and they haven't been able to get a handle on it. So. Why that occurs, uh, you know, you can read my series to find some discussion. We don't have a definitive answer. There seems to be a number of things going on there, but uh, that that was surprising me. I, I, I knew it was happening a fair bit, I just didn't think it was gonna be seventy percent of the hospitals every year.
4: Wow.
1: I mean I mean it, it and, and you're right, because even if there are little overages at some hospitals, I mean year after year, I
0: mean it adds up to almost a billion dollars. It does. And
2: then they get a budget increase the next year. Yeah, so, so, well, so, so, so,
0: so. Your, your reward for bad behavior. Yeah. It's like giving the cats a treat when they knock things off of the dining room table. Is that not it's what exactly I'm supposed to have same. been doing? <laughs> <laughs> exactly the same. <laughs> exactly the same. Such a great comparison. Um, all right, let's move along. We have one person else in the room, Sarah O'Donnell. I'm not sure how She's we're going to do this because we only have like four microphones. Uh,
3: I'm going to switch my microphone with Sarah, but just quickly I'm going to say Paula. You will well, you can chat now, but I'll just be on the record saying that you'll be so, so, so missed and very excited to see your next adventures, but we'll chat after. Thank <laughs> you, Miss Clancy.
0: <laughs> Should I be nervous here? No. No? I don't know it's what's It's not happening. a roast. It's not a Paula Simons roast. N- uh, no, I don't I don't plan to roast you right <laughs> now. We'll save that for later <laughs> off air
1: at karaoke.
0: So, anyone who pays attention um which if you listen to the Press Gallery podcast, you probably read the odd thing every now and again, maybe you're on Twitter. You might have noticed that Paula Simons is one of Canada's newest senators.
4: Yay. Okay. Congratulations. Hey. Paula.
0: Congratulations, Paula. Woo-hoo. <laughs> I have to say, of all the things
4: that I thought might happen in my time as news editor, and all the backup plans that I might have to make, uh, you becoming a senator was not on the list, but I'm very excited to see how this adventure unfolds for you. I am also
1: excited, and also a little bit terrified. Um, it's, I mean, it's very daunting. It's very, very daunting, and I've been a journalist my entire adult life. I've been a journalist for all for more than thirty years now. I started when I was very young. Let's <laughs> clarify. Um, and I've been at the Journal for twenty-three years. I mean, my, you know, uh, you know, on on cop shows where you know the, the cops. I am the job. I am the job. I mean, it's it's going to be a tremendous transition for me. Um, I hope that I can go on. Doing what I've done as a journalist, which is to analyze legislation, give governments advice about how they could improve the legislation. I I hope they're slightly more willing to take my advice now than they were before, <laughs> um, and, and to be an advocate for Albertans and for Northern Albertans in particular. But to you know to speak up for the issues that have mattered to me. I've had a huge privilege as a columnist to be able to advocate for for positions that mattered to me deeply and you know, I'm going to be sitting as, a, as an independent senator, not part of uh, a caucus affiliated with the old liberal government, you know, with the old liberal caucus or with the conservatives. And, and I will be governing myself accordingly, independently, and, and trying to be as responsive as possible to, to what I hear in Alberta. And as someone who has been her
4: manager, if anyone sends her talking points, I wish you the best with that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, I had a phone call from you know an important person in Ottawa today, like you know, in the, sort of in the in the Senate universe, saying to me, "No, you know, you might want to not, you know, you don't have to say yes to doing media interviews if you just, you know, want to tell people you have no comment." And I thought,
4: yeah, I could, the
0: dipole Paula no, yeah. Simon has no <laughs> comment. And again, as
4: someone who's edited <laughs> Paula on the podcast, the thought of her having no comment on a topic
1: <laughs> is not something that I can envision happening. <laughs> well, it's it's going to be a little bit. I mean, I've always had editors here. I mean, I've had, I've had really smart, good editors who have often saved me from myself and my worser, baser instincts, for which I'm profoundly glad, because now when people go through my Twitter feed looking for very bad tweets, there are not too, too many of them. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm not going to have an editor now. So um, I, I'm going to take Sarah's voice in my, you know, like Jiminy Cricket. She's, she's, do she's, do you really think you should be tweeting right now? <laughs>
4: <laughs> but can I say, as much as we are going to miss Paula, and we are going to miss immensely. There's I, shoes, I brought I brought in shoes you $53 can't
1: worth of destination donuts today. They are really good. So. I have yeah. white
4: chocolate with coconut. Oh, one too. one of good. the reasons I wanted to come on the show today just briefly, other than the fact that I miss hanging out with you guys every week on the podcast, is that we have an announcement to make. We've obviously we've have uh, some columnist positions have we've had some transition here in the newsroom, but we can now say uh, announce I think officially that I know you kind of hinted at it a few weeks ago it's like the worst kept secret ever about who one of our new columnists is going to be and uh, that's Keith Durine. Hey, hey. So, sorry Carson
1: will be bad if I'm, if I'm clapping too hard on Mike
4: yeah. but hurrah yeah. yeah so I will let Keith talk in a second here, but one of the reasons that we're really excited about this, and Keith is going to be taking over as political columnist, he's going to be giving us observations from the legislature, is is one of the reasons you guys well, as you just talked about today, this big investigative series, this analysis that he did on hospital budgets. I mean, I have watched Keith over our years working together do all kinds of really exciting in-depth, the deep dive reporting on issues about, you know, related to, should there be, you know, the number of hospitals in Alberta, healthcare budgets, um, all proceed, like Keith, I can't even begin to list the number of things that you have written about and given um, really kind of reporting that no one else in Alberta has been doing on those topics. So, and he's going to be bringing that now to a columnist position where he's going to keep doing that reporting and then also tell us a little bit about what his opinion is on it, which...
0: I'm excited to see you. Keith. You look really embarrassed as Sarah's saying all those nice things about you.
2: Yeah, well, it's a it's a little weird. I mean, it's you you go into uh, print reporting in part for the anonymity. It's uh, it's it's great, right? We we Ball have is our shaking a head going, <laughs> I, I know, no. I know. We we get our we get our <laughs> names on our stories, but other than that, nobody really knows who we are, and uh, that is now going to end. So, <laughs> um, unfortunately, I. Or fortunately, I'm going to have to share a little more of myself, uh, give my views. <laughs> I guess the readers will decide what they what they think of that. But uh, <laughs> that, is, that is going to be the challenge. It is certainly uh, an exciting one. And I have uh, very big shoes to fill with uh, Graham uh, Thompson and Paula leaving around the same time.
0: This is why um, I
1: have abandonment issues. Yeah. Like, honestly. No, 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 sweetie. It's, it's, <laughs> Everyone hates but, me. But, but I, I want people to know, too, that Keith has been not just our health reporter. Before he was health reporter, he was at the legislature was, uh, yeah. as, the, as the legislature reporter and before that at city hall and um, don't forget
2: post-secondary education and post-secondary oh, education
1: yeah. i mean he's and he's and he's uh, he's covered child welfare issues he's written on a whole ri- wide range of things and so I, I mean i'm very excited that you're i mean your analysis is always so measured and fair, and I think that as an opinion writer, you can still be measured and fair. And I think it's I think it's really exciting because I know that after Graham's announcement and my announcement, I saw a lot of people on Twitter saying, you know, oh no, who will who will be voices at the Edmonton Journal? And so I'm so I'm so delighted that a journalist I respect so highly and a journalist who has won the confidence of readers over the years and won the confidence of, of of the people he talks to on his beat. I think to have your moral authority and your intellectual gravitas and your dry wit, which I think people are going to discover through the column, I'm I'm very excited because I'm going to be reading it a lot it's going to be my homework so you better you better do a good job otherwise i won't know what's happening wow that's don't a, mess that's, it up kate that
2: is a You've great endorsement and a little bit of a scolding from a Canadian comedian <laughs> so uh...
1: i must now be styled the honorable <laughs> the honorable some honorable members here here you know paula the senate has always been
4: my least favorite Part of federal <laughs> government, and so the fact that you're now going to make me take a vague interest in Senate affairs is just so vexing. But that's <laughs> just fine.
1: I, I was out at Reading Week this week, uh, including a, a stop at St. Brendan's uh, Catholic School on Thursday, the day after the uh, Senate announcement was made, and I was speaking to a very bright class of sixth graders and a particular kid named Matteo, who I think is going to be. In our newsroom, at some point, he had some very specific questions. about, you know, what would happen if there were no Senate? Uh, you know, what, what okay. you know, what does the Senate actually do? And then one of his other classmates was, you know, what? Don't you think senators should be elected? So I thought, well, this is good. Sixth graders are already keeping me, <laughs> keeping me honest and on my toes. But as I said to the sixth grade class at St. Brendan's, there's there's a purpose to the Senate. I said it's it's like. I said to them, you know, how the school has fire extinguishers and you hardly ever use them. I said I said the Senate has two jobs. One is to give advice and recommendations and to do investigations and to try and make sure that legislation is the best and the strongest it can be, it, and representative of of all the regions of the country and in defending of minority rights. But ultimately, the Senate is like the final break, the final break glass in case of emergency thing that stops you from uh, majority tyranny. And in an age around the world where we see rising populism and rising nativism, I think the need for the Senate is more important than it's ever been. And I think, I mean, I want to say to people... You I, would say that, though. I would, I that would say you... that now, yes. But <laughs> I but I wouldn't have taken this job under the terms of the way the Senate worked five years ago, where you were appointed as a partisan choice of, of a political party. Uh, Justin Trudeau set up a policy a couple like 24 months ago now, where there's an independent board of advisors, um, uh, including on the permanent board, uh, former Fort McMurray Mayor Melissa Blake. uh, And they go through applications from across the country uh, with input from provincial representatives. And they come up with a a very short list that goes to the prime minister's office. So the prime minister is no longer sort of cherry picking the, the particular individuals. It's a Somewhat more open process. I know there are a lot of people who've questioned my choice, um, and all I can say is uh, just as you held me accountable as readers, I hope you hold me accountable as a senator, and um, I. You know, I, I all of my all of my expenses will be a matter of public record. I, I, I intend to be frugal with your cash.
2: Well, you certainly had to be frugal here.
4: <laughs> so. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so what?
2: nothing new there.
4: <laughs> See, and with exposition on the Senate like that,
1: how could you not suddenly find it? Fascinating. Yes. That's right. To the kids, I talked about Robin Hood uh-huh. and Bad King John and Simon de Montfort. I gave them this whole little. Uh, I drew pictures on the blackboard, which I—it's it's not a blackboard; <laughs> it's a whiteboard. I date myself. Fascinating. Um, yes, yeah, so I'm going to have to come up with a better uh, with a better explanation for sixth graders, especially since the sixth graders asked me some pretty penetrating questions. <laughs> so, in our newsroom, I know that re-
4: readers will have more questions about. Well, wh- what else? Uh, We'll just say we'll be back, you know, in, in coming weeks with more <laughs> announcements. Like we said, it's not every week that your column, one of your columnists says, I've been appointed a senator. No. So, and we'll see Keith's first column next week. Right. Yeah. So that'll, that'll we'll, we're expecting that. What day are we expecting that? Uh,
2: I think we're aiming at Thursday. Yeah. Hopefully. Okay. So, Cross yeah. Cross so yeah. we'll, <laughs>
4: And so. Promise nothing. <laughs> I shouldn't pin down the date like that and box myself actually no I am okay so we'll have Keith's first call on Thursday there we there. Go. now it's a thing
0: oh it's been said and there's a small change coming to the podcast as well we are going to make a couple of changes in terms of adding some new voices here um, on the Press Gallery podcast and this is another reason to subscribe as I do tell you every week I know it gets boring to hear me say it but we're going to have some special episodes um, hopefully weekly we will see uh, but basically some in-depth conversations with some folks about very specialist topics topics of the day that kind of thing um i believe keith might uh, be jumping in on board on that we all will probably take a go because it sounds like fun and i'm gonna go fade now back into
4: the background again and give claire her seat back <laughs> okay back to my lurking posture and thanks everyone great to talk to you
0: and with that we shall wrap up with our regular segment good stuff from the gallery in which we recommend things we have read or seen or listened to lately that we think you might also enjoy dear listeners. Paula. This is your final one. You better make it good. I, I hope this is
1: good. <laughs> this is not so much a good stuff from the gallery as a good stuff in the gallery. I have spent an inordinate amount of my time here at the Edmonton Journal lobbying for a new Royal Alberta Museum Uh a good 15 years of lobbying for a new Royal Alberta Museum because it started when the old one, you know, had asbestos sort of poking out the walls and the, you know, leaks and things. And then, you know, a new museum was announced and then it was unannounced. And anyway, it finally opened. Hooray. And even if you don't get to see it this weekend because it's going to be crazy crowded with its free admission this weekend and there will be long lines it will be open all the rest of the days of your life and (laughs) and you should go and see it i mean i think it should be a source of pride for all albertans and as a way to understand our political culture the human history galleries are particularly important and also there is a super large giant sloth Claire and I are now going to have nightmares. It is so terrifying and so cool because it's got these giant claws, and they keep saying, "Oh yeah, it was, it was a, you know, it was a vegetarian. It didn't, it, it wasn't a carnivore." <laughs> and you're like, "Oh sure, right, <laughs> right." When it comes back to life in, in you know, in, in uh, what's
0: what's, what's it called? Jurassic Park? No, the thing in the museum. A Jefferson's uh, ground sloth. A night in the museum. A night in the museum. Oh.
1: The Jeff- the Jefferson's ground sloth. I'm it's a total called... nerd. No <laughs> one judge me <laughs> when, the, when, the, when the Jefferson's ground sloth. Comes to life and starts (laughs) rampaging. I mean, (laughs) so think of me as your very own Jefferson's ground sloth. (laughs) You're sending me to Ottawa, and I, I promise to.
0: To defend you just as valiantly. To devour <laughs> vegetarian <laughs> options just like Jefferson's ground sloth did while using giant that. claws. I love, I love that Senate wow. analogy. That's fantastic. Clancy. What you? Maybe the
1: Senate is like Jefferson's ground sloth. It's like giant and slow and old, but it's there to... To, you know, to haunt people's dreams.
0: <laughs> amazing. Clancy, what do you have for Sarah's us, Sarah's right?
3: making faces like, oh, God. That is, is amazing. This <laughs> amazing. It is good luck, Justin. <laughs> Your last
2: podcast has gone off the rails a, good, a little bit, but it's great.
3: <laughs> My recommendation is not nearly as awesome as that. Um, so good job, Paula, on ending on a high note with good stuff from the gallery. Um, I'm recommending a piece from the New Yorker that I thought was so hysterically funny. And just like, I, it's also just a commentary on the world we're living in and how people view women and, um, and kind of how women view themselves. It's called Lessons from the Last Swiss Finishing School by Alice Gregory. And it's a really wonderful piece, the New Yorker, about, um, a, extremely expensive finishing school in Switzerland, the last one left because they've been closing as they've kind of become very out of date. And I'll just read a paragraph from the article. Robertson's raised eyebrows and perpetual half-smile gave him an ironical appearance. He stressed the importance of having clearly defined domestic preferences that together would add up to something like self-knowledge. How do you like your bed made up, he asked. It sounded like a rhetorical question and nobody answered. Well, if you don't know, then your housekeeper is going to do it however she learned how, he said robertson provided the students with sample questions to ask a potential butler where do you place the oyster fork can you make me a martini straight up a gardener should be able to tell you his favorite seed catalog a housekeeper her preference among vacuum cleaner brands it would be wise he said to quiz a potential housekeeper on how she might clean for example a hardwood floor without stripping it of varnish because it's not just the cost he said with a sigh it's the inconvenience (laughs) amazing i'm definitely gonna read that um
1: I, i will not be interviewing butlers.
0: In my- <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to recommend Keith Dryan's Digging Series oh, stuff. Because wow. if you haven't read it, you really should. A, we did just talk about it at length, so it will give you some perspective there. But also, it was fantastic and really, really well done. I think open opened people's eyes to a lot of stuff that's going on that just hasn't been covered before, so it was awesome. Yeah, and it will give you a sense of what you can expect when Keith is at the legislature writing columns. columnizing. Yeah. And Keith...
2: Yeah, so I am going to recommend something from uh, our departing Honorable Paula Simons. Uh, people, th- There's this e- expression that's been tossed around a little bit the last couple of days that Paula is and has been the conscience of Edmonton, which I think is well-deserved. But uh, we know her as Paula in the newsroom. And for people who don't know, uh, she is just one of the sweetest, nicest, um, you're ruin, smartest, my, ruin my whole reputation. You're, here. You're, you are funny um, <laughs> as we've just seen. Um, but one of the things I admire most about you is just this healthy sense of outrage that you bring to your columns and and there are things that you um, in, that you find injustice in and and you express it while you you say the things that we can't verbalize ourselves. And uh, that, that's you know a thing I, I, I can barely hope to emulate when I step into the columnist sh- shoes that you have. It's, uh, but, but to us, you have been uh, just such a great colleague, we, we can bounce ideas off you. When something happens to one of us, you know, a, a tragedy in our lives or a difficult time, you are one of the first people to express sympathy, to uh, come forward and say, how is that person doing? Uh, and and to reach out and I, I, I want people to know that about you that you are not just uh, a great writer and uh, a great thinker but uh, you are a great person as well Aww. and I said
1: uh, <laughs> we made Graham cry I said no one could make me cry damn you I tried <laughs> <laughs>
2: So what I'm gonna recommend, uh, most people will know that Paula won a National Newspaper Award last year for her coverage of Serenity, and that was very strong work. I'm actually gonna recommend something from 2009, which is harder to find, which you were also nominated for, but I think is probably the strongest work of your career which was your coverage of Bill 44.
1: Oh, wow. That takes it back.
2: It does take it back. And I just remember at that time, the Bill 44, for people who don't know, was uh, legislation that was eventually passed by the progressive conservatives that would allow parents to pull their kids out of class when issues of sex and religion and sexual orientation were were taught. And uh, it was a huge controversy at the time, and people were really struggling to make sense of it. And Paula's columns at the time, I think, pulled out exactly why this was a concern and um i was i,
1: I was filling in for graham at you were that that filling point. in for graham at that time
2: that's right you were the you were the legislature columnist at that time so it was very strong work um it's harder to find online but you did repost some of it on facebook uh, i think god uh, bless the, the internet. In la- exactly uh, the last few years so um that is what I am recommending for people who well, want to know you. your talents and who you're about that that column really says.
1: Thank you, Keith. I appreciate that greatly. It's, you know, I've, I've had such a privilege working here. I've worked with such extraordinary colleagues and editors and had, I mean, I've always called it the best job in Edmonton and the best job in Canadian journalism to work with a team of people who, I mean, I could not have done the columns that I did without the support of, of my colleagues in the newsroom, not just the editors who made sure that I didn't lose myself somewhere along the way. But you know, those, those Bill 44 pieces were very much based on the, on, on the teamwork I did with Trisha Dett, who was at that time our, our legislature reporter, I mean, I just, I, I said to a group of kids today, when I was in fifth grade, I always hated group work because I was always the Hermione Granger kid who did all the work and then everybody else, you know, we're the, we're the free riders who coasted and I was like perpetually indignant. I was really a really horrible fifth grader. Um, but, but, you know, the wonderful thing about working in a newsroom is that it, it is group work at its very best. It is a team. Any one writer or columnist might get the profile and the voice, but it's always based on the foundation of everyone working together from every corner of the newsroom and the photographers, the videographers, the editors, the cop, you know, uh, everybody here. We work together as a team. And I want people who are listening to know that even though Graham has gone and even though I am going, the core team, the heart of this paper is beating as strongly as ever. I sometimes call us the homeopathic newsroom because no matter how diluted we get, we just seem to get stronger. The people, The people who are here the people who are here with me in this room, the people who are here with me in this newsroom will continue to give Edmonton and Alberta the finest news coverage to the to the you know to the best of their extraordinary abilities. And please don't think that my leaving is a reflection on this paper or how I feel about my time here or the future of journalism in this newsroom, because you are you will be hearing extraordinary voices, extraordinary people who are digging and who are going beyond the surface of press releases to tell you what's really going on in this province and what really matters. And I hope that you'll listen to them and support them. And if you had respect for me, please know that that respect belongs to everybody in what is a team endeavor.
0: This has been a warm and fuzzy time, you guys. <laughs> I, feel, I, feel... I double,
1: I double air Sarah to cut that all out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Bola, it's been an absolute pleasure thank you for coming on on your final day here and for bringing donuts uh, which the listeners do not get they're ours awesome. <laughs> 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 I'll share a lot of things with you but Emma's not letting me share the donuts <laughs> Bola, Clancy. <laughs> Paula right, right. Clancy Paula Simon sorry, Clancy Keith Ryan Sarah O'Donnell thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Press Gallery do subscribe lots of changes coming happy birthday Emma oh yeah it's my birthday, thank birthday. thanks guys please send not <laughs> see ya